Vegas is your place for all things Grand Rapids Griffins and all things Toledo Walleye. This is the Hockey Town West Podcast with your host, Brandon Cook and Nick Harrington. Welcome back to the Hockey Town West Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm Nick. And we are joined today again by good old Tyler Kuhl. Tyler, how are you doing, sir? I am doing pretty good. Uh, it was a nice, another beautiful. It seems like whenever I'm on this show, it's a beautiful weather day in West Michigan. It was sunny, a little breezy, but I was able to walk out in a nice little quarter zip fleece. It was a nice day and it ended well, too. Heck yeah, it did. We have a lot to a lot to talk about, and we're recording super late on Sunday night because there was an exciting game that happened in Grand Rapids tonight, but we've got to talk about yesterday's game first. We've got to talk about the Grand Rapids Griffins going back-to-back wins against the Texas Stars, and what a what a weekend for what a three-game stretch for the boys, all right? Like this is this is three something games, we didn't see coming now. Well, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we went into this these three games uh, saying like oh, the three games at home against Texas, the two against Texas and one against Milwaukee. I said I'd be happy if we went one, one and one. Nick said two and one. I never would have thought we'd be talking about three and oh over this stretch against the two best teams in this division. Like this is absolutely wild. So let's dive into last night here. So Griffin's win against Texas four to one out shoot the stars thirty eight to twenty three. Goals from Berggren, Soderblom, Edvinson, and Shine. And Michael Hutchinson gets a good bounce-back win after some shaky games recently. He had a really nice, solid one because on that first Texas goal, 44 seconds in by Christian Cairo, nothing he could do there. Absolutely nothing. So let's dive into this a little bit here. Nick, you were there. I was not last night. You, I was at home covering the game for us. What was your vibe? How was the arena? What was it like? Packed crowd. How, how, was, how was the game for you? uh yeah crowd was everybody was in it it was packed I, you could tell that the vibes in the city the vibes in the state of michigan right now for hockey are at an all-time high i have not seen it like this in a long time uh our side like everybody was chirping on our end of the arena and then it sounded like i was talking to um we were talking to another fan earlier and everybody was chirping them on the other end as well. So, I mean, it was just, everybody was there chirping the goalie. It was just good, just good energies. I mean, I think everybody knows like this was such an important week for the guys of, you know, playing Texas, trying to get the points and move up or keep our pay, like keep our cushion that we had uh, in the standings. So, yeah. Yeah, it was wild. So let's dive into a couple of the guys and like their performance last night. I mean, we can't not talk about Jonathan Berggren. Like I the joke is, you know, he put on a show in front of all these scouts because we probably know what the inevitable is about to be, unfortunately, for him. I think all signs are pointing to he probably won't be in this organization after the deadline. But he put on a freaking clinic on Saturday night. Tyler, what did you see from him if you got to watch the game? I didn't even ask. You know, I, I was able to watch some of it. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the kid took precedent. He decided that he was going to get very spitty uh, halfway through the game. But from what I see and what I've seen from Bergen for the last little bit here, it, it's a mixture of a guy finally playing with full bit of confidence. And really, this is what happens when you have a full extended time with one team. And we saw a little bit last year where he was going up and down so much that he wasn't really able to get a good rhythm with either the Red Wings or the Griffins. He's been now with the Grand Rapids for a number of games, a couple months here, and has been a big part of this stretch 
of now 15 game point streak for this hockey club. And I, and with the fact that he kind of knows that he's playing for something, he's playing for a contract, whether it be for next year or maybe to make him look like a very noble prospect to a potential suitor, whether that be what the Red Wings are trying to portray him as, or maybe another team looking for a young guy that they can either insert to the NHL now or next season. So, you know, it's a mixture of those two things, having the confidence because he's playing with the guys that he likes to play with. I mean, regardless of where his standing is with the team and the organization, he enjoys being around with the Grand Ops Griffins, the guys in the locker room. He's really come along and really meshed with this group very well. What that means for the future, obviously, this is a business that doesn't obviously correlate with one another. So I believe a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's he knows that people are watching him because he says, hey, you want a good young player? I can be your guy because look what I can do here against a really good Texas team that has a bunch of NHLers. I know they didn't have Logan Stankov, and he finally made his NHL debut on Saturday, but so he wasn't there for the Stars. But that team is still loaded with guys that could be playing in the NHL elsewhere had they not been with the Dallas Stars system. So, you know, Bergeron's playing good at the right time, both for himself and obviously for what we've seen in the win column for the Griffins, too. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself there. That that's perfect. Well, that's why I said it. it. I know exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fun to watch him. It's fun to watch him right now, man. He's just having fun. Like you said, whether he's gone or not, who knows? But he's having fun right now. And what you're what you're seeing is just what he has the capability to do. And if you're Steve Eiserman right now and you are you do have him on the block, like you're thankful that the kid is having fun and putting on a show like this because he's just increasing his value game after game after game. It's it's absolutely wild. And, you know, want to point out on that, too, after a few games back now, Emil Vero getting an assist on that goal, too. It's good to see him bounce it back. He seems to be kind of hitting his stride suddenly really quick since he came back from injury. I've been quite impressed with his play. And, you know, at first we were joking like, oh, he's probably going to get sent down to Toledo. That's the way this is going to shake out. But I think he's given Dan Watson a good argument to keep him in Grand Rapids. What do you think, Nick? It's been interesting. Last night was his first came back from injury, and he comes out for his period. He gets a slashing penalty. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, Vero, like, what are we doing? But then he follows it up, and he gets an assist on Bergie's Bergie's first goal in the second period. So, And then tonight, again, you know, on the stat sheet. So it's a – it's he's an interesting – he's in an interesting spot right now, kind of like Berggren on the forward side, you know. he Like, where does he fit in the timeline with the other people – like? Bergie's gotten blocked with the veterans in Detroit. Vero's blocked with the prospects ahead of him. Like, where does he fit with this team and this organization? Like, where do we put Vero? Like, and he played well. I mean, he's been he's been playing well. He's back to what his normal like flow of the game is. Uh, the last game, right before he got injured, that game that he got injured in, he had a goal. Like, he played well. Uh, and then he unfortunately went out with some injuries. He's been out for uh, a couple weeks. Yeah, for for Vero, it it was the last time I was here. We were talking about playing time and how important it was, and the fact that you know he was kind of being pigeonheld because of the fact that there were guys like Edvinson and Albert Johansson that have been having great years, and you don't want to try to wreck that. And I think the the dam will break in terms of playing time for Vero when Edvinson effectively becomes a full time NHLer. And that might not be until next season. Maybe we do see Simon get a call up late this year. We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, injuries can happen. So, But the long and the short of it is it, it kind of goes back with, with really any player. When you're playing a lot and you're getting plenty of minutes, for the most part, you're going to gain more confidence 
than would you would be maybe taking a night off to try to collect your thoughts or something like that or take a break mentally. You need to keep getting back out there. You got to keep getting thrown back in the fire because that's what's going to kind of see if you can sink or swim. And I think Vero has the capability of swimming. And as we see here, gets a point back in that first game and are on Saturday. And, you know, I'm just saying I, I don't want to take credit for how Vero played, but I did throw a check on him during the Sled Wings game. So maybe that kicked him into, <laughs> into the right gear. So I'm not taking any credit, but I just like to think maybe the two correlate with one another. I don't know. Forgot to introduce you, a sled wing star. I forgot about that. My I bad. was not. A, I was a minus. I blocked one shot and it was a minus one. It was not a good game for me. <laughs> not a good game. I got kept getting put on defense. It was not good. Yeah, but I mean, as a Griffins fan, you have to just kind of take a step back and look at it and go, okay, Albert Johansson and Edvinson. The the goal for Detroit is those two players are not here in Grand Rapids next season. Then they are in Detroit. That is where you want to see everything shake out we should feel a sense of relief that there's guys in this system like Antitua Misto, like William Volinder, like ML Vero. Like this is, we're in a good spot. You combine those three with three more good veteran defensemen like we already have. And, you know, Brogan Rafferty and Josiah Didier, like that's not a bad spot to be in if you're us. And I don't know. I'm excited for what the future will bring for all of them. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see what Vero can continue to do. It should be interesting. But the other guy who's just continuing to bounce back and play consistently good hockey right now is Elmer Soderblom. Like this is this is the best hockey we've seen him play in a Griffins uniform by far. Last year it was he's kind of here. We saw what he could do in Detroit. And then this year it's it started off slow, but since that Christmas break when we called him Bambi on skates, uh he's he's come back and he's shown that he's not Bambi. He's he's a real tough and rough player to play against. So I mean, his goal that night, it was a beautiful assist by Albert Johansson. Let's leave it at that, too. But seventh goal of the season, when I, I want to say going into the Christmas break, he only had two, maybe three. Like, this is a really good bounce back for him. Yeah, he, he's the compete is a lot better. <laughs> I know we hate that word. We hate that saying, but he is literally going after Pox. He sees the breakaway chances, like the loose puck in the offense, like going into the offensive zone. He's turning on the Jets. Like he's going after it. He's trying to create the chances. He's throwing the body in the corners too, which is leading to other opportunities for the, the other players. So, I mean, he's I, he's more bought in, I feel. I feel like he's more bought in at this point now. Um, he's sat a couple games. I don't know if they're injuries or just Dan wants to have him see it from a different perspective, but it's, he, he's playing a lot faster. He's playing a lot better. Um, and if he continues this on, like I said, I think he's more like that Michael Rasmussen from last year, that you know, right around that New Year's Eve, where we said, like, he's just playing better hockey. And yeah. statistic and statistically, too, for Soderblom, I was just doing the quick math there to kind of get that right. He had two goals before Christmas, and now he's got seven on the season. And since the beginning of January, he has four goals and four assists. So for how this season started, that's a pretty impressive mark for Soderblom. And, and I think too, it's just, you can tell he's playing looser, you know, cause when he first came down last season after starting with the red wings, which ended up being more of a curse than a benefit to this young man, it was, you know, he's like, Oh, why am I not there anymore? And he was kind of trying to make up for it, if you will. And he started playing too hard and gripping his stick too tight. And that's why, you know, the production never really came. And that's why he never, ever really got looked at getting called back up either at the end of last season or even at the beginning of this season. And, you know, it, it goes back to the confidence. It shows that he's playing with a little bit more of familiarity with the team. He's more comfortable around the guys. And that's why 
you know, he's able to find the open space and use more of his abilities. And I think just fine tuning his game in his second full year of pro here in North America, you know, he's getting more accustomed of how the American league game is played. And eventually that might transfer to the NHL. I know obviously the styles of play can be a little different between the two leagues, but what he's doing right now is going to be good for him. I think he'll stay with Grand Rapids for the rest of this year. I don't think any of us are going to really debate whether or not that's a possibility. But I think next year into training camp, I think he should have the expectation that he should be back with the Red Wings. If he keeps it up at this rate and keeps getting himself better, keeps getting stronger. And and that goal, too. I mean, how many times have we seen Soderblom really let the puck go like that? It's not often. And that's why I like to see if he can start showing that a little bit, Maybe not be a you know, full blown sniper, but you know, you know, Henrik Zetterberg's not recognized as one of the hardest shooters in the game. But when he had to pull the trigger and let one go, he did have a little bit of oomph behind it. So if Soderblom can start doing more stuff like that, a little bit more of a rounded goal scorer and playmaker, that's going to certainly make people up in Detroit take an extra look at him. Yeah, and he's he's, yeah. he's simplified the game a lot more too. Like he at first. When he was down here, he was getting too cute with those little moves and this and that. And like that one game, he did, he tried that between the leg move four times and it didn't work. And like, and now he's, he's just trying to play simple. He's making the moves. He's, he, he's playing better. You know, like he's not <laughs> overthinking it. Yeah. Like you said, he's playing aggressive. He's shooting the puck, you know, he's using his size and you know, we've not to get ahead of ourselves, but we saw it tonight too, multiple shots tonight and firing it at the net like that. One of the things, though, that like Dan Watson always like mentions is like when the guys he tells the guys when they're in Grand Rapids, they play for the Grand Rapids Griffins. They don't play for Detroit Red Wings system. They're not they're not the walleye. They are the Griffins. And I think that message has finally settled in Elmer's head to where he's relaxed. He's like, I'm here. I'm going to do the best I possibly can here. And we're off and running. So in all we can ask for is that same consistency going forward. And if he does, and like you said, Tyler, the training camp discussion, if he's that consistent, that's he's going to put up a fight. And as Wings fans, that's exciting, too. If he puts up a fight and can continue to produce like that, that's something we thought might have been a lost prospect at some point and is looking, again, like there's potentially something there. And God, would we love to have his size on the Red Wings roster. That would be something. Speaking of size, though, you know the other guy who finds the back of the net in this game, Simon Edvinson, who shockingly has the same amount of goals as Elmer, uh, seven now. But Simon's shot, man, this was a fun goal right here. Lesperance with a beautiful beautiful pass across ice to put it right on Simon's stick and he just fires it and you can tell right there that he was feeling it a good little kind of Patrick Kane-esque celebration uh you know it's just the stuff you want to see from him and continuing to feel good as he's playing like that goal right there it just made me excited it, it was a big deal too because like he's playing up against a higher competition this he knew that this week he needed to turn it on. He needed to play in this over the, these three games. He did amazing. Like he didn't take a, a shift off. He played hard. He was, you know, focused into the entire game, which is something like we needed to see more out of Simon. Yeah. And for Simon too, I had to look it up to make sure I had it right. Cause I put it in my, in my post game wrap up from yesterday. He hadn't scored in 24 games. Like that, that's one thing, like, cause he had such a good start to the year and he was such a, when the Griffins were kind of floundering there in November, December, he was one of the bright spots, at least enabled to being capable of putting the puck in the net. So the fact that he's able to kind of step up and, and make a play and show that he can still score and, you know, cause he hasn't really been producing the same, which is a good thing because, you know, I want to see more of Edmonton in his own zone improve there. I don't need him to score 
I don't, I don't need him to do Kale McCarr like things or Paul Coffey things and be a, a 95 point defenseman. I don't need him to do that. The Red Wings should not need him to do that. And I think if Edmondson realizes he does not need to do that, that's what's going to be beneficial for him because he could easily be a guy that you could pair with Mo Sider on the left side, have two big hunking men on the blue line there that can score, but can also be reliable in their own zone. And what is the position called, guys? It's called a defenseman. You play defense. So if Edmondson can kind of show that he can be a real two-way guy, I mean, he'll be in the NHL for not just, you know, in the near future, but for a long time as well. Yeah, exactly. And man, you can just tell there's a sense of like, there's no stress under him of like, when am I going to get that call? Like he knows it's going to come. He's just going to continue to do the best he possibly can until he gets there. But there's another defender we got to talk about who had a little bit of an oopsie at the beginning of this game here. And that was William Volinder. That turnover that ended up going towards Dallas or Texas's stick ends up on Maverick Bork's stick. And ends up on Christian Kyrou's stick and finds the back of the net. That was one of those moments where you're like, Volander has played so, so, so well lately. And last night's game, he looked a little lost. And Nick, I think you said you saw it more than anything when you were there. Yeah, I wasn't able to see the goal because it was on the other end of the arena. But the um, when he was down on our end, uh, I saw a couple of times where he kind of lost the defenseman. He kind of didn't know where he was supposed to be at. And uh, he got lucky on a couple of them where he was trying to clear the puck. It didn't quite make it through. He got a, like a lucky bounce, and I was able to finally get, get through the defenseman or the, the forward that he was passing it through uh, from the other team, and uh, just kind of like it, it just kind of looked sloppy. So I don't know if it was just a bad game for Wallander, uh, but I've been trying to key in on him a little bit more because he is more under the radar, and we know Albert and we know Simon are going to be moved up. Like they're NHL, they're going to hit the NHL at some point. So our next line is. Ballender to Omisto is our next two prospects. So um, trying to keep an eye on them and see like how they see the game. Are they positioned well? Um, I mean, I love the goal scoring. I love the assist ability because if you're getting that from defense, I mean, that's just helps improve the team even more. Uh, but you, f- you first have to focus on defense. That That's the most important thing for that position and then be able to chip in for the offensive. So, but for, for me, for Will William is, you know, you. I don't want us to compare him to Soderblom and what happens, but when you see what Edvinson is doing and how great of a season Albert is having and how Tuomisto has really burst on since getting a, an opportunity, a real opportunity here over the last couple of months, you feel a little pressure and you feel like you almost have to do more. And that's when you make mistakes. And, you know, that's kind of where we kind of tie it back to Soderblom, just trying to do too much and end up hurting him even more. And for, for William, I think it's just got to take a deep breath, settle back and, you know, really listen to Dan Watson because we keep talking about how important Watson was to get the bump to the American League because he did such a great job with the guys down in Toledo. But he has that experience of being a player and knows the pressure of trying to bolster yourself up to be good enough to make it to the next level. And, you know, in a way, this is nothing against Dan Watson, but Dan was never really able to make that move to make it to the next level. He was an ECHL, a UHL guy for a very long time. And, you know, he was a very capable defenseman at that level, but he was never able to make it up to the next level. And he was able to see what other guys were doing that made it to the American League and the NHL. So he's going to, he's bringing it to these young blue liners saying, Hey, 
don't do what I did or maybe don't do what someone else did. Do what this guy did or keep it simple because that's what's going to help you develop and obviously get you noticed more with the with the team and the organization as a whole. So, but yeah, long story short with, with Valinder is he just needs to calm down. I think he's playing a little timid. He's afraid to make mistakes. And my old high school coach at Northview, Scott Stevens, he told me, he's like, Tyler, when you go up to the, when you go up to a tee box and you're golfing and you see a big body of water front of you, it's TPC Sawgrass. What are you thinking to yourself? Well, don't hit it in the water. Well, if you think you're don't, if you don't want to hit it in the water, you're probably going to hit it in the water. Focus on putting it on the green and then you'll hit it on the green more often. So horrible analogy, I know, but it, it, it kind of helps in some way or another. It's not that horrible. I put every golf ball I hit in the water. Don't worry. Because um, you probably look at the water and say, don't hit it there. That's why you got to think. Hit it on the fairway and you'll hit it on the fairway. Optimistic, I, positive thinking, man. I can't help it. The water is shiny. Um, anyway. <laughs> look at shiny things. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I threw it in the group chat the other night. No, I said there, there's Volander has flashes where he reminds me of first year Albert Johansson. And he'll get there. Like, I think he has the tools and the skill set to make it to that level. It's just going to take time, and we have to remember this is his first season, and he's going to have nights where he makes mistakes. And luckily, at the same time, if you make a big mistake at the beginning of the game and you can still shut it down through the rest of the game, it's okay. You learn from it, move on, and the team obviously still got the win. So yeah, and one last one last thing on Willander here is that you know we look at how great he's how Tumiso's been this season. You have to remember Tumiso's played the last few years on North American ice playing college hockey, which yeah. is in a way more you know physical the, the physical game is a little more resemblance of the pro game because a lot of those american league guys 23 24 year old guys some of them they're you know nhl professional hockey ready and i'm not trying to belittle you know the shl or the european leagues but it's a different game over there so there is that that he's still trying to figure out and the speed of it and how quickly you have to make plays to Amiso has had that experience and that you know that knowledge of coming into the season of kind of what to expect to an extent and so I think I think Valinder is going to pick that up pretty quick, though. Yeah, that adjustment period to North American ice right there alone is hard enough for a lot of these guys. So we have time. I mean, next season, he's probably going to look like a completely different player uh, in a positive way. So I'm excited for that. But last thing I want to talk about with this Texas game here, you know, shout out to Brian Lashoff's penalty kill, continuing to be extremely successful. Perfect three for three in this game. The power play, man. We cannot figure out the power play against these good teams like this. This is a it's a struggle for me uh, to understand what's going on here. We've seen it shaken up a little bit. We've seen Volander uh, getting some opportunities on the second unit recently. Uh, we, we've seen the offense still kind of staying the same. And, you know, this is something I kind of want to ask you, Tyler, since we have you. Nick and I thought about this last episode. And one of the things we can't see the statistic, but just by watching the game, you can tell we struggle in the faceoff dot. Like Austin Zarnick is our best face-off man by far, by a million. The younger guys like Marco Casper and Amadeus Lombardi, they struggle with it a little bit still in their first year here. Uh, and whoever else is slotted in the center, whether it's Les Browns or whoever else, they do okay. Do you think that our lack of ability of winning face-offs right now is kind of why the power play is just not establishing itself and not finding the back of the net? Well, it certainly does not help when you lose the face off and i i kind of go it's a little bit of an off kilter comparison but when you play lacrosse and you lose the draw automatically you have possession you go on the offensive and it has it's very similar to a power play in the nhl or in hockey for that matter you lose the face off and 95 times out of 100 that guy who the defenseman that's sitting there at the bottom of the circle is just rifling down the ice and you're going to chase it 
and you think, and the first thought is, oh, geez, we got, we just won that. We just had this face off. We got this power play and now we're skating 200 feet to go pick up the puck. It's not good. It's, and I remember I had to do the math before because, you know, they broke the little schneid tonight against Milwaukee, but they, they didn't score on 21 straight power play chances, 21. And, you know, it's, it's so funny. We talk about how great Bergen is and how good Oz Edmondson is. And we got Marco Casper and we got, you know, veteran weapons like Austin Zarnick, you know, this team is stacked with offensive talent and we can't do anything on the power play. And I do believe a lot of it, you know, some of it does come from losing face-offs because you, it, it is a mental thing. It really is. A lot of it is, is when you're having to skate it back up the ice and try to get a good clean zone entry because good penalty kills. We see with the Griffins, they're good in their own zone. They know how to defend a penalty kill. They run a diamond or whatever, but also a good penalty kill is slowing up and interrupting a, a clean zone entry. That's what I was working when they're trying to get in the zone. They stop them up at the blue line. They force the stupid drop back pass. That's become the norm today in hockey, which makes me incredibly angry. and makes me want to throw my clipboard at somebody. It's, but when you're able to stop them up and make them dump the puck in, and don't allow them to have possession when they cross the blue line. That really frustrates teams. That's what the Griffins have been kind of struggling with as well, is getting into the zone and getting set up cleanly because it goes back to the mental thing. All right, we lost the draw. Now we're going to chase it. Come back in, turn over at the blue line, or you dump it in, they clear back down. Back again. You may as well be doing Herbies and going just doing suicides going down and back because that's what it feels like for two minutes when you're doing that. So. You know, the fact they're able to break the schneid on tonight against the Admirals is important. You know, maybe get some confidence going. But yeah, there's there's little things I think they need to work on here. And unfortunately, it's been the last couple of years, last few years, the power play has struggled. So, you know, I, I wish I could tell you what's the what's the best way to make a power play work. Unfortunately, my go to answer is just have Alex Ovechkin say on the left face off circle. But we can't do that here in Grand Rapids. So unfortunately, I'm not good at telling you what they need to do. I'm just really good at pointing out what they're doing wrong right now. That's that's fair. I mean, we could just pop Carter Mazer on the face-off circle. I think that's that's fine. I'll take that. Like, I, yeah, I mean, let's try, let's try that think, for a few games. And I think Carter. I mean, Carter. I, you know, he wants to. I believe he kind of is. He's been a center before, right? So and I think he he has that ability. And you got to try to find a way to get something to work and shoot. If anything, if you find a face-off specialist, have him win the face-off and have that guy get off the ice, and then put the other offensive guy out there. If you really want to get super technical and weird. About what to look at Rasmussen in Detroit. That's what Ras is used for a ton yeah. in Detroit. Yep. And Tyler Bozak many years ago for the Leafs. Tyler Bozak couldn't do squat except for win faceoffs and be good in the shootout. That's all he was good at. And he played an NHL career. Like there's value to that. And he won so. a Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah. We're on we're on to something there. Not with Toronto, um, but you know, with another team. <laughs> no, we know it wasn't with Toronto, don't worry. <laughs> 20, 21 um, straight power plays we didn't score on. That's that's yeah. an amazing stat. Like well, what was I think it was the the loss. I'm gonna look this up here. I think it was the loss against Cleveland. Uh the 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 4-3 loss where we didn't the Griffins did not score. They had six chances on the power play. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yep. And I don't know how I mean I don't remember how many of them were full two minutes, but still. Yeah, it was uh, well, not many well, of them in that game, but yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God, that was officiating in that game could be a whole uh, somebody. It already yeah. was. I just saw like tonight the power play was a little. It was ran a little bit different the last two games. Like at least tonight it was like they played a little bit more behind the net and tried to set up than what they typically do. Um, 
usually they're just trying to play right off the bumper from the defense. But tonight I, I saw a little bit more behind that net and trying to set it up through there. So kind of more like the wing, what the wings have been doing um, with the Brinkett and, and Kaner. So, so yeah, which I mean, there they was, want, they want to have guys do uh, what they're doing in the American League, what they're doing in the NHL. So when they get called up to the NHL, they know what they're doing. Wow. That's a concept we've never thought about before. Interesting. Concept we've never implemented before in this team. What are you talking about? And then we hired a guy that's very close to Derek Lalonde. Huh? This is very interesting. I think we're on to something here, boys. I'm wondering why yeah, it's not working. That's all that mattered. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, we could, don't open that can of worms. Um, last guy to talk about for this game, though, he's got to be mentioned. Mr. 400 His 400th game as a Griffin. He does get the empty net goal in this one, but Dom shine. One of the more underappreciated guys, I think on the penalty kill. When we talked about that, what I've seen lately from him is just this. He's got that dog in him on the penalty kill, man. He's oh, he's God. going at he's yeah, chasing the puck. all of a sudden. Yeah, he's yeah, that he's dog in him. He's he's chasing the puck down, but like he's killing time so effectively. Like, I mean, not to get ahead again, but tonight's game, he broke two guys' ankles on the penalty kill. Like that that's it's such an underrated player on this team. When you think of like the leadership on the team and everything like that, he just needs an appreciation bump. So I, I gotta mention him. Uh, especially hitting 400. Congrats to him. That's awesome. What a milestone. And uh, it's good to see him get a goal in, in that game as well. So congrats to him. But with that, anything else either of you boys want to add to the Texas Griffins game? I was going to say, I, I almost sent a text apology to to John Peterson, the the broadcaster for the Texas Stars, because him and I, on the on before the Wednesday game, we broke down their schedule. And I got and I have to explain this to you guys because it is kind of ridiculous how tough it is right now for the Texas Stars. So they play the Admirals on February 10th. They lose in a shootout during Milwaukee's incredible run. They play the following Tuesday in Rockford. Then they play Friday, Saturday against Iowa. They come to Grand Rapids on Wednesday. Griffins win one nothing. Sebastian Coast's first ever American Hockey League shutout. Got to put that back in there again. Then they had to go to Rockford on Friday. They lose to Rockford and then they come back to Grand Rapids on Saturday. They lose to Grand Rapids. Then they have to come back home to Cedar Park in Austin, near Austin, next Tuesday. Play Tuesday and Wednesday against the San Diego Gulls. Get on a flight, fly up to Manitoba, play games Saturday and Sunday against the Moose, and they finally get a few days break before they come back and play San Jose on March 8th. That is a ridiculous schedule for this part of the season, and to have to go from Grand Rapids to Rockford back to Grand Rapids in one week is kind of stupid. I don't know who put that schedule together, but it's not good. And right now, this is a great opportunity for the Griffins to really distance themselves between them. And t- I know they're obviously maybe if they're like, oh, we can catch Milwaukee. No, you won't. But it's OK. But now you can really focus on trying to distance themselves from Texas right now because the stars were dog tired. It looked like in that third period, it looked like they were kind of fatigued and it was wearing on them. And these few weeks here is a great opportunity for the Griffins to take advantage of that, take care of business on their end and maybe see Texas slip up a little bit here with this tough schedule. So. That's kind of my bit here with the two versus three, because all things considered, John and I were talking about lunch plans coming up in the spring because we're probably going to see each other in the playoffs. But, you know, there might be some gap if the Griffins can keep this going and Texas get a little tired and maybe slip up a couple games here. That's that's that is a crazy schedule. Like I I did see like we were talking about it on the last episode is like we had they had us, then they had to go to Rockford, then they come back for us. Like just the amount of travel for that, but then you break it down for the whole month. Like that's that is a lot of travel for those guys. And uh, 
I mean, they they're playing so well at the beginning of the season. Like we really thought Dallas might have been that number one, and Milwaukee has you know regained that with their eight nineteen game win streak, yeah. right? Nineteen. That's what yeah, well, well, it was nineteen. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> well, the um, thing is, too, like, I know people are like, "Oh, but that's what the NHLers do." The NHLers don't play three, you know, three or four back to backs in a month like we do in the American Hockey League. So when you're throwing yeah. these back to backs in, along with travel and doing them in the middle of the week, you know, it's it's very tough on these guys because I'm not, I don't know how many teams like how everyone does it, but for the most part, American Hockey League teams when they fly, they fly coach. <laughs> they don't have like the private jets or whatever, like the NHL teams do. I know the red, the Griffins have used the red wings plane before when they go through the Calder cup finals and stuff. But like for the most part, you're flying with regular people. So you're jammed into those economy class seats, you know, stuck in there and then you're flying in and then boom, you get off the plane, you get back to the hotel, you get a bite to eat, you wake up the next morning, morning skate, boom, you play the next night. Like it's, it's a very tough grinding schedule. And then I'm not sure people right now in the ECH are like, well, I'm going to tell you about buses and then I'll, then I'll stop <laughs> talking there. But I know it gets only worse the further you go down here, but like, listen, it's, it's a very, for a team that's trying to stay up near the top and to possibly have home ice advantage in the playoffs, it's going to be tough for Texas here to get through the stretch. If they can get through it above 500 with their head above water. I think they'll be okay. But no man, Manitoba's playing a little bit better right now. And, San Diego, I don't know much about them, but I know they have a good prospect pool and not many guys are going up to Anaheim right now because of how bad they are. So, you know, those are going to be two tough games coming up next week for them too. Yeah, it'll be, that. that's rough. And it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, the next three games are going to happen here. They've got, you know, a nice three more games at home here, two against Iowa, one against Rockford. That is really a time, like you said, to get some separation from Texas here. So and Rockford's really desperate hockey be, too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this this will be interesting. So. With that, though, I think that's all we have for this game. We'll send it over to DraftKings, and when we come back, we will talk about the streak-ending game, and it wasn't for us. We'll say that much. So, Nick, go read the ad. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. With Patrick Cade, Alex Debrinkit all back and ready for from the All-Star game, you've got good choices to make bets on them. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crowd is yours. Um, call 1-800-CAMBLER or visit www.1800cambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 4673-69 in Connecticut. Help you for prom gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Will Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome back. All right. So this is the game that we are so excited to talk about. I'm so pumped about this one. This is, I think, the most anxious Nick and I have ever been going into a game in person, um, especially since we started this podcast. We haven't had a game at this level of, like, seriousness since we've started this. Like, this is the biggest game this team has played since we've started this podcast. But... The team with 19 wins in a row comes to town. And, you know, the Griffins on their 14-game point streak, which is impressive, but 19 wins is something insane. Going for 20 tonight, and the Griffins shut them down and win 4-2. to two. And 
my god, this was the most fun I've had at a game in a long time. Uh, even, you know, there was a few scary moments, but god, what a game overall. You know, in this game, you saw goals from Cross Hannes, Carter Mazer, Marco Casper, Zach Aston Reese, and you saw the guy I want to talk about first, Sebastian Kosa, stopped 37 of 39. Well, his counterpart across the ice, Yaroslav Askarov, stopped 20 of 24. Kosa, after getting a shutout on Wednesday against Texas, goes into this game and stops 37 shots. Like, against this Sebastian team. Kosa. Against this team, Sebastian Kosa is just playing some out-of-his-mind hockey right now and has a swagger about him that I think we all saw if we watched Toledo last year. But if you didn't, yeah, welcome to what the walleye saw for the entire second half of their season. This is some impressive, impressive hockey right now by this young man. I knew Kosa had this in him and had this potential. And in a big game like this, if you ever ask him, you ever ask a player, they're like, oh, it's just another game. We just got to appear. We've got to get the two points. Got to focus. And Dan Watson always says, got to focus on us. They know who they're playing. They know they're pretty oh, much man. playing a, a, not a, not a JV team. I don't want to say that, but like a, a smaller NHL team. There's a lot of these guys on this Admirals team that could be with Nashville right now. If Nashville was actually pushing to be in a playoff spot, there's so many good, I mean, Liam Foodie could be in the NHL and, and, Obviously, Yaroslav Askarov. I mean, there's talks that either he's going to be on the trading block or they're going to get rid of Saros to allow him to come up to Nashville. You know, there's there's a lot of grade A talent on this Milwaukee team. But Kosa came in with all of this, and I put it in when I put in the article, most of the league was watching this game. If they weren't playing, they were watching this game because it was the two best teams in this division. And for the first time in the history of the American Hockey League, that's been around for nearly a hundred freaking years two teams that have had points in 14 consecutive games are going at it one-on-one it's never happened before it might happen again but maybe not for another 80 years it's incredible that this happened at this time at this juncture sucks it had to be on a sunday but that's why i digress and kosa though stood on his head for most of the game he says he didn't i know he didn't like one of the goals that he gave up late in the second period we'll get to those but when it came down to it, Milwaukee really pressed in the third period. He had him, especially four power plays uh, opportunities for the admirals. And you know, it's the eight old adage that, Hey, your best penalty killer has got to be your goaltender. Kosa was that. And then some, we mentioned shine earlier, you know, he was very good on the PK once again, but Kosa had to come up with some really clutch saves at really important moments of the game. Because if Milwaukee gets one of those power plays, it's a one goal game and who knows what happens after that. So, you know, even though it was four two for that entire twenty minutes, you just felt like if one goal went in, you know, Milwaukee was going to turn it on and they were going to make it twenty straight wins. But Kosa shut the door when he needed to, and just the way he's playing right now, it's the right time. And obviously, he's taking over the number one spot. I, you know, both because the Red Wings want him to develop into that kind of guy, but also you look at the numbers between him and Hutchinson. Hutchinson's been playing all right, but when one guy's playing that much better. It's going to be hard for Dan Watson to avoid riding the hot hand like this. Yeah, I mean it's the the penalty kill. I mean that was he was our biggest penalty killer this this game. I mean it, he, he also was like well. one of the biggest guys in the team, so it checks out. Yeah, I like I was so stressed the entire game, and when we were up four nothing, I'm like, okay, I can breathe a little bit, I can enjoy the game, and then they come out and they score two right away, and I'm just like, it's only going to take it's going to take two shots. And then the game's tied right back up. 
and you know watching this I, like then i got i went back to being stressed the entire game until the final whistle um especially with the amount of power plays that milwaukee was getting i'm like this is not good this is not good i i don't know i i had a feeling at the beginning of the week that we were going to be able to be the ones to we were going to be the streak was going to end this week for milwaukee i knew it was going to end either the trap game with chicago or with us on sunday this team has been playing the griffins have been playing too well for us to i, I just I, I don't know i just had a feeling that they were going to win this game you know so i'm glad it, it went the way it did um in cosa like he was the spotlight's on him you know the spotlight's been on him this was the biggest game like you said that this has never happened he's going against his counterpart part and askarov and he outduels him you know literally outduels him 39 shots like that's the most that we've given up in a long time in cosa's Costa was great, like two two goals. That's it. And one and both of them, I feel like the defense just kind of let them out to dry. Like one was a breakaway, but Foodie beats him on the back end, uh, back end, slips it past him, open that pretty much. I mean, it, it's it's you can't fault Costa on those on those two goals. You really can't. So I mean, and also I, no I, one's stopping Cody Hodgson right now. The eight year retiree. Yeah. No, coming back three goals in three games. Kids no, on fire. I was. Which I was chirping him, and Nick's like, "Isn't that the guy that just came back after like retired?" I was like, "Yeah, I don't care. I'll, I'll continue to chirp." Um, <laughs> Former cool story, legend. Cool story, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll continue to chirp him. But yeah, I mean, Costa was hung out to dry quite a bit tonight. We saw a lot of the Toledo flashback of where you'd see yeah. a breakaway given up, an odd man rush, and all this stuff. And granted, there was a couple of those tonight that Simon Edmondson did a fantastic job, and William Volander, uh, both breaking up plays that could have gotten to coast, but the ones he did face, he faced more breakaways tonight than I remember in a long time. And he just played them so well. And he just looked calm. I mean, even a point where, you know, Milwaukee crashes the net and he goes down and I was looking at Nick and I'm like, I think the top strap and his helmet's undone. And he, he kept like doing one of these, like trying to shake. He's like, something's, something's off. Didn't matter. He's still stopping pucks. He finally caught onto it, realized it, but like nothing is phasing him right now. And we got to give a shout out to uh, Brad Dog Thompson, the equipment manager here. Because if for those that don't know, when Askarov gets a shutout, he always knocks over the net behind him. And Dog went out on the ice with the team to celebrate. And I was that caught my eye. I'm like, what is he doing? And he walked behind Kosa and tipped the net over behind him because I know he knew Kosa wasn't going to be arrogant and do that. So he wanted to do it for him and let him have that one. And that was just that was just fun. That's fun for everybody. Which is funny because the Admirals have a promotion that just they had earlier this week where they gave away. They're not bobbleheads, but they were. I, I don't know what you would what you call it a bobble a little figure, statue, a little statue yeah. of Yaroslav Askarov when he did the bench press with the net. And Aaron Sims did not bring that. He did not tell me he was going to bring one. So I would I would have came to the game if he told me he was going to bring me one of those because that that first that was just a very very Askarov like move. He's very eccentric character and. But yeah, with dog kind of sending the message saying, "Hey, nothing's getting in here except for those two goals." But we don't count those because they weren't Costa's fault. I mean, if those goals wouldn't have happened, Costa would have had a back-to-back shutout situation here, which I joked about last episode. Nick's like, "You just jinxed this whole game. We're gonna lose now." But I mean, dude, if that kid would have posted back-to-back shutouts against these two teams, I, 
I would say I would have bought the Red Wings jersey already, but it's already ordered. It's it's still not here, unfortunately. Uh, it'll be here eventually. See, I, I I am not that kind of person that's careless with their money and buys sweaters of current players. See, I buy jerseys of former players or play, yeah, players that maybe have just been funny, never played for a team because unfortunately, years ago I had I had two Toronto shirts that were from players that were current and they were no longer with the team. It was Brett Laurie with the Toronto Blue Jays. He was traded for Josh Donaldson the following season. And then Jermaine Defoe, who who used to be a Toronto FC striker and went back to England after one year. So I never buy shirts of former player or current players or maybe even future players because that's just bad juju. So don't see the the common denominator there is Toronto. And you. you. (laughs) Also, unfortunately, it's come to me being a former goaltender super stitious as hell it's yeah just, that's fair that's fair it's it's awful i do i am routine oriented ask my wife she hates me for it but it's because i love her <laughs> oh anyways um but yeah kosa congrats to him man just keep it up this is this is good stuff so let's talk about some of these goals that were scored not the milwaukee ones i don't want to talk about those yet but the guy yeah. that gets the goal the scoring started cross hannis Josiah Didier throws a puck on net. Askroff thinks he has it. He's down like I'm holding this puck. He doesn't realize that it's sitting in the other faceoff circle on Cross Hannes' stick, who just absolutely buries it. And the guy that was benched on Wednesday night now has a goal and an assist in two games, which, thank God, that's exactly what he needed. This is a kid that I've been super high on from the get-go, hoping that he figures it out this season. And it seems like whatever Dan Watson's doing with him right now is working. Because he's playing well and he's not making mistakes. He hasn't taken too many stupid penalties. He's playing the hockey that we saw him start to do when he heated up before his injury last year. And I know Nick, you noticed as well. He was just he's just flying out there. Yeah, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. I was I was just glad that he did hit the post with that uh <laughs> that rebound. <laughs> uh but put it in the empty net. Askoff looked like he was absolutely confused on the play. So I'm like, how did he not? I think how did he think he had that puck, but um, but yeah, Didier played played that well, uh, putting it over there. But Cross, you know, speeded. I don't know why he's off and on every game, other every other. It's it's a weird thing. Um, but I mean, he's he's bouncing back, so it's good. Yeah, Hannes, he's such. We knew he was such a talented player, and he had such a great start last season. It was a shame that he had to he had injury problems and whatnot, and. I mean, the guy's got two goals and two assists in his last five games that he's played in. So he's obviously contributing in some form or another. And if he keeps it up and it, it's, it kind of goes with what we've been talking about, the defenseman, obviously the goaltenders too. It's the fact that there's an embarrassment of riches at all positions right now, because everyone's playing well and it's hard for some guys to get into the lineup. And if you're not scoring, you're obviously not going to be relied upon as much as you'd probably like to be, even if you have the prospect of being a top six forward on this team, like Hannes, like Hannes does. So it's for him, if he just keeps kind of going and plugging along and, and, you know, trusting the process, I know people like people hate that word, but that's kind of what he has to do here. He can't try to do too much. He's got to play his role that he's in right now and he'll eventually find a spot. And the, the way that he's kind of, don't want to use the word perseverance. Like he's coming back from something catastrophic, but right now he's just playing his game and, you know, 
finding his opportunities and taking advantage of him when he gets on the ice. So if he can keep doing that here over the next couple of weeks, he's going to be an important player for this playoff push. Yeah. I mean, you know, you say two goals and two assists in his last five and you know, his first goal against, or his last goal against Manitoba, that was his first point since December 29th. Like that's, that's a long stretch there for him. So it is good to see him do that. And then, you know, you toss it to the next guy that gets on the score sheet for Grand Rapids. Go Carter Mazur. It's his 12th of the season. Like, this goal was a fun Very one. Quietly I, 12 goals, by the way. Very quiet 12 goals. Quietly third in scoring on the t- tied for third in scoring on the team with Austin Zarnick suddenly. Like, he came back slow from that injury as well. Another guy that had to deal with injury uh, who who's said multiple times it wasn't the physical side that he had to really deal with coming back with. It was more the mental side. And again, I've always appreciated being him, him being so open and honest about all that. But seeing him find his way now, granted, this line of Casper and Berge and Mazer has just been so much fun for all of us. But I mean, Carter's just played extremely well. And this goal was an absolutely fun goal for us to watch. And again, another great Sally by Carter. I know, I know, Nick, you love Carter. And this was a good one for you to see tonight. My notes for it was Mazer Laser. Just laser, put, laser. Just put it right it's in the small freaking laser, laser. <laughs> like, it's just, it was good. I mean, he, I don't know how he put it there, but it was a small space. Put it in there in the net. And like you said, he's just quietly climbing up. He's kind of like last year, Taro Hiroshi was kind of climbing up the board, always at the top. And Mazer's kind of filling that, you know, that sneaky spot this year, I guess. Yeah. And it, it's, it's coming along for him. And, he, the problem with Mazer for me is like he looks like he can be an NHL player, but at the same time, he has so much Taro Hirose in him, which is not just concerning as much as we love Taco. But in the fact that if he doesn't find an opportunity and take advantage of it, he might just be around the American League for a very long time. But that just goes to show that if he can keep producing and keep, you know, putting up the numbers and playing well and playing well with good players too, like Berger and Casper he'll eventually get an opportunity. It's just when he gets that chance, you hope he takes advantage of it because I, I just see too much similarities between those two guys. That's that's my thing with Mazer. But yeah, for him just to be coming along here, being one of the top guys, and you know, Cookie, you and I talked about it before in the past. He's got that little bit of nasty side in him, which might be the might be the meal ticket for him to get bumped up because you know everyone looks at Brad Marchand and, and you know everyone hates him, but listen He's such a he's a very talented player. He can score and he can put up points and does it so cons- on a consistent basis. He also ticks a lot of people off. So if you know if the Red Wings can kind of take advantage of a guy like that and you know guide him in the right direction to to do so in a very uh, in a well mannered way, I think uh, he'll be someone that can eventually you know be a full time NHLer. Just if he takes advantage of that chance, that's all it is for me. Yeah, I think the nasty streak is what he has over Taro Hirose in that aspect. I think that's you know, the game. He's, way, he's way too nice. Such a nice Yeah, guy. he'll never have that part of his game, and that's okay. That's not what we expect him to be down here. But, you know, this was, you know, Carter went four games without a point and gets this goal tonight, and it's, it's a good sign. You know, he's it's been a little streaky, but if he can throw it together here and get consistent, I, I don't see a reason why he can't, you know, take over that second place spot and scoring on the team permanently for the rest of the season. It makes sense, but he's got the next guy that scored tonight, chasing him one point behind him right now. And Marco Casper, he gets his first point in five games tonight after, you know, he had a little bit of a hot streak there. He cooled off for a moment, 
But again, just another really good goal. And this was that power play goal that we mentioned, you know, in the first half that finally broke the streak of no power play goals. And we finally get this one here. And you could tell Marco, as soon as he scored it, he just looked up to the ceiling like, thank God, like that finally happened. No, he doesn't, I don't think he knows the monkey off the back celebration. He just knows the holy crap, I finally did it celebration. Um, so that was good to see. Marco's played so well, like just the confidence after Christmas. Like, I don't know what it is, what a Stalin is after Christmas, but he is just, his confidence is there. He's punching people right in the face after he's laughing. Like he's, he's throwing the body. I think next year he's still down here with the, uh, with the Griffins. And I think you see that like huge jump in improvement. I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to the rest of his development for this year. If we can make the playoffs, like that's going to help him. So, I mean, we're going to make the playoffs, but it's going to help him so much more. Like as many games as we can get and get this going, like he's just on such a tear and I love it. Like I'm starting to, I don't want to say key in on him more, but we're recognizing him a lot more because like in the beginning of the season, it was like Marco Polo, Marco, the friendly ghost. You can never see him like, but now he's really noticeable and like, just even like, just keeping the puck and holding the puck in the ends, like, you know, killing time like that. That's big part of the game, too, that he's he's, you know, little parts of the game that he's doing well, too. So I got 15 points in 22 games. Uh, the last 22 games is what I've got. But that's it. I'm just kidding. Correct. No, that's like that's fantastic. I mean, for where he started off with, where he was like, what, eight points in the first half of the season, I think it was or something like that. Like, yeah, it's it's much better, much better. Good stuff there. Tyler, did you have anything to add on Marco? Sorry, I jumped in there. No, I, I, for, for Casper, he, you know, there was a lot of expectation for him and I just, he, he's having fun right now with this, with this team. And, you know, there, there is, there's a little bit of that pressure on him too, because he was such a high draft pick and his first professional game was in the national hockey league. But you know, he's, I have no worries about Casper. Like there's, there's certain players that I think that get pushed up to or that come back down, but for him, it's, it's all part of the, I'm not going to use the P word. It's all part of the, no, not the plan. Yeah. Like that's not a P word, the, the plan. <laughs> I'm going to go Ted Lasso the plan, plan, plan. No, it's part of the idea that he's going to be a full-time NHLer and he's going to develop along. And I mean, it, Stevie Eisman played under Jim Devolano and under Ken Holland. He worked alongside Ken Holland. This they don't like green bananas playing in the NHL. They're gonna let Casper develop the right way, and, and he'll be an NHLer before you know it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be exciting. I mean, I've said it multiple episodes this season. I hate that his first game was an NHL game because it just set the expectations so much higher for him. Well, they were anyways. I mean, the guy was the only reason why Austria was ever in the world the top division of the World Junior Championships. Or why they true. were ever competitive. Like the expectations were incredibly high for him. It is true. And like, my, I, you know, I love the scoring side of him, but I do love the feisty side of him. I know I think I texted uh, my girlfriend in the middle of the game last night and I was like, Casper's such a dick. Like, I love it. Like, it's so <laughs> much fun. He's, he's, he's such, he's such a dick to the other teams, but he has fun while he does it. And he hasn't, like, we've seen guys be those guys. You know, Milwaukee's got one of those guys themselves that does that play style but then he gets himself in trouble and Casper's really good at getting under the other team's skin and not taking the dumb penalties with it or not causing complete and utter chaos, you know, where he's going to lose time on the ice. He has that part of the North American game figured out. And when you're a guy that's expected to kind of play like that, that's one of the hardest parts to figure out. So 
I do love seeing that. And I mean, again, if somehow the Red Wings do retain Berger and, and at one point in time we see a Casper Berge Mazer line in Detroit as like a grind line, it's going to be so much fun for everybody. So much. Uh, you know, last guy we'll mention from the Griffins tonight, you know, the final goal. Zach Aston Reese does get back in the score sheet tonight. You know, good old goal song. Rick Rolled. Rick Rolled for the whole arena here. Uh, Shine and uh, Lombardi get the assist on that one there. So his best friend and good old ammo sticks in there and gets the assist. But this was the goal where, like, yeah, we hit that 4 nothing stride. And, of course, you know, Milwaukee did get two. But this was that goal where you're like, yep, I think the boys got this win no matter what happens next. I think we've got it. And it was so crucial and so much fun for everybody. Because when you end, when you get that last goal and it happens to be a rickroll, it just makes it that much more satisfying. <laughs> and then I'm the all- Admiral said, kick rocks. Like, I'm sorry, I yeah. saw 4 nothing in the second period and I'm like, that's a lot of time. It's a yeah. lot of time in a hockey game. And it's not just because the team I like cheer for, but it's also just watching games in general. Three goal leads, four goal leads that early on in the game. I mean, I was watching the, the Calgary Edmonton game last night and Calgary was up three to one or three, nothing early on in the game. And it, they ended up winning the game. I think five, two, six, two, whatever it was, but Cal- Edmonton scored one early like, late in the first period. I'm like, ah, see it's three, one and Edmonton's going to come storming back. And cause that's just how hockey is. Like there's the, like it's the seed of doubt. And when you're playing a good, if it was maybe, I'm not going to say the teams that it could be because that might come back to haunt me and put the jinx on it later. But when you're playing a lesser team, how about that? Maybe a four nothing lead you can feel safe with, but when you're playing a team like Milwaukee with the amount of firepower they have four goals, they can score four goals. And if they get any confidence and momentum, like they did in the end of that second period into the third period, like the way they played, they could have scored five goals in this game, five goals alone in the third period, let alone. So I, I was a little uneasy when that fourth goal happened. As fun as it's always here, great to hear Rick Roll in Van Andel Arena or at a hockey game in general. There was my, myself, I thought, like, you know, this game is far from over. And I was right. I feel I feel bad that you have the seat of doubt. Like, does that just come from, like, rooting for Toronto for so many years? Or like, well, it just... <laughs> there's a lot of trauma there, I feel. There is a lot of trauma. If you ever want to look back, there was a game in 2000. Curtis Joseph was the goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They went into a third period up 5-0 on the St. Louis Blues. Now, yes, this was the Blues that had you know, Pierre Turgeon and Chris Pronger and Al McGinnis. That's he was going to say. They came back and lost 6-5 in overtime. The Leafs did. The Leafs blew a 5-0 lead and lost. And... Mm. Well, what was it, the game last year between Detroit and Toronto? The Leafs were up 5-0, 6-1 or whatever the heck it was, and the score ended up being 10-9. Both goaltenders got pulled and everything. You guys remember that? I thought game sevens against Boston were just the... Oh, the see, yeah, the first one, the 4-1 one. one <laughs> yes, that one, yes, that one, there's trauma there. No, actually, I think I had a worse time. Well, no, I had a better time because they lost in 13, 18, and 19. 19, I knew they were going to lose because they lost game six with a chance to clinch. So my brother and I, we opened up a two, four pack of Molson Canadians and we just sat there and watched the entire game and then did screwdrivers after the, after the Bruins scored the empty netter. So I had a heck of a hangover the next day, but at least I knew it was going to happen. The first, I learned from my first two times of hoping the Leafs would beat Boston in game seven and blowing leads. So yes, there, there is trauma that I have yet to work out with my therapist because I feel like bringing up my <laughs> sports fandom. Is just she's just gonna look at me like, why do you care about this? I did bring up the Lions, but we didn't go into my deep dark issues with cheering for the Leafs every so often. 
No, we'll keep those in the closet. Um, yeah, every everything we've said about this game so far obviously is positive, right? Like Griffins get this win, everything is good. My biggest takeaway from this game is our last episode we did after the Griffins played the Milwaukee Admirals was titled We Got Bullied because Milwaukee bullied us up and down the ice. You know, there was guys that tried to do it tonight, but the Griffins didn't let them play into it. Milwaukee walked in here thinking they could probably do that again and realized real quick that this is not a Griffins team that you can just push around anymore. The Griffins have figured out how to be that team that will not take any shit, but they will dish it right back to you. And then, you know, we've talked endlessly that comes from guys like Josiah Didier, absolutely just bodying people whenever he gets the opportunity. Uh, Just setting the example for the kids on the team being the leader he is. But overall, like the guys were playing with excessive force tonight which is absolutely beautiful but at the same time like they just didn't care when they got pushed around they just laughed in their face and that right there was the moment where i knew the griffins are gonna go to the playoffs and they're gonna do some damage in the playoffs because they figured out how to manage that emotion that dan watson talks about you know play with emotion not emotional they figured it out it took them from that last game to now to figure it out but i think they've got it figured out yeah, I mean, you—it's a fully different team than what we've seen in the past. And I, I mean, I was even looking at the current series, and we beat Milwaukee the first two games that we played them, and then we lost the last two games against them. So this one, I'm like, what? Where is the tiebreaker going to come in? Like, are we going to get this? And you're right. Like, they have their their instigator, uh, Larue, Larue, and he, you know, tried to do it tonight. Uh, he had two slashing penalties and we just didn't really reply, like respond back to him uh, a couple times that he just, we just let him go in the box. So it was good that this team stepped up. My, my bad part on this is like that third period. I just thought was just really ugly uh, from our side. I just felt like we sat back on our heels and let them kind of the game come to us where we didn't go back to like playing offense. Like the the whole game was played on the other end of the ice at that third period. And I mean, Milwaukee had 14 shots to five to us did help that they had four penalties or Griffin's had four penalties in that, in that period. So questionable calls there, but yeah, they were, they they were very questionable, Um, but it is what it is. And you're not going to have perfect officiating every night. And I feel like there's probably been about three or four games that we haven't. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad. And it none of them cost us. That That's important as well. So um, I think, you know, that first period, the first, oh, sorry, the first and second period, we played really well. I just got nervous at that third that at any point they're going to score. And I'm just watching the time click down. And I'm like, okay, we have five minutes left. Can we can we get out of here with just, you know, 4-2 game? Um, now, if they can get this figured out and play a full 60 minutes of hockey, the Griffins are going to do some damage. You know, they're everything's slowly coming together, just like we we've been preaching and we've been saying we've been sticking to the plan and the process. So, the process. If, if they the process, keep, if they can keep going this way and just get full sixty minutes, they're they're going to be a hard team. They're going to be a harder team to beat. You know, playing against Milwaukee in, De- in Texas this week, it was huge. It was a big measuring stick for us. I felt. And we handled it. We handled it well. Yeah, very well. And you mentioned the 60-minute game. I think 
I might be on out on a linear, maybe out by myself when I say this, but I think Wednesday night's game against Texas was maybe the closest thing we've had to a full 60 minute game this season for the Griffins because they had to protect the lead for 59 minutes and 20 and 35 seconds. And they did that for the entire time and they out and they really outplayed Texas in some stretches too, you know? So that's why I think that game was pretty good, but going back to here for Milwaukee. Yeah. The, the last time they played was in that really bad stretch of December. Cause they went to Canada right after that. And they got their butts kicked by Belleville and Toronto. Like it just, it did not, it was not a good time for them. But since then, like I, I you know, Watson says that there was uh they've been preaching something since Christmas and this, you know, they've been, you know, being good in the locker room. Like there must've, there had to have been an instance and the players will never tell us maybe later on after the season and never things are relaxed and we can say it behind closed doors, but something had to have happened with this team before Christmas, or maybe someone, maybe a couple guys got the new Apple watch or the new Apple iPhone with titanium, whatever the hell the commercials say to make them just feel more relaxed. Cause they came back from Christmas and they have been great ever since they're 16, two, two and two since Christmas guys, only Milwaukee's hotter. I think. Only Milwaukee, I believe, has a better record because they haven't lost since Christmas Eve or since New Year's Eve, excuse me. Like that is an incredible run at any level of hockey, NHL, pro, college, whatever. When you win that many games in a row or in the Griffins case, have that many points in a row, 15 now, that's an impressive mark. We have not seen this guy since the 2015-16 season. That's the last time the Griffins had ever had points in 15 straight games. Now, granted, that year they won 15 in a row. But the fact of the matter is that this team has a, a confidence, a swagger, and a determination to be the best and know that they can beat the best that we have not seen, guys. I don't even think the team in 2017 thought they were this good. That just feel, That's why this team feels like it's just something special, and you just got to hope they continue on this path and not let this win get to their heads. And that's why when I was listening back to Dan Watson after the game, they asked him, is this a statement win? And he shut that down right away. This is not a statement win. This is game 48 of a 72 game season. He knows how important it is. Yes. For confidence, but also realizing, Hey, we're going to play an Iowa team that just lost to Chicago on Sunday or yes. Was it? They lost to Chicago, right? Yes. I think they did. Yes. Yes. They lost to Chicago in overtime. And put them back into sixth place in the division. They're going to be ticked off coming to Grand Rapids. So they can't let that. Hey, we're playing a sixth place team all week. No, you're not going to get four points out of that if you come in with that mindset. If you want four points, you're going to have to take it. You have to treat Iowa like you did Milwaukee, like you did Texas this past week. And that is why with this leadership group, with with a guy like Lashoff in there, and with Dan Watson running this team, there is a guy there to kind of keep everyone on the straight and narrow and the players also for buying into this and saying, you know what guys, he's right. The last couple of years, we haven't really gotten together. We haven't really meshed as a unit. So let's do that. And it'll lead to both individual development success and team success. Well, the relevant stuff is the fact that yes, the Griffins had to face, you know, Askarov and you know, not that he's that good across the league, but extremely good against us and Remy Poirier. We got to turn around and play a team that carries Jesper Wallstead, Andrew Camesso yet again in these next three games. And that's going to be huge. Oh, yeah. Can't forget about him. 
My gosh, the the ghost of the of the Iowa Wild, Zane McIntyre. My goodness, he you talk about a guy that doesn't get scored on by the Griffins ever. Yeah, right. So these next three games are still going to be tough challenges, but I love to hear how Dan Watson is approaching it. You know, this isn't the statement when it's it's game forty eight, like you said. So Griffins turn around and they play Iowa again on Wednesday. We won't have an episode between now and then, so we'll look forward to seeing that there. But anything else to wrap up this thrilling fifteen point? win streak extending win against these dang admirals that these Griffins were able to pull off tonight. I mean, we can't, it's hard to do 19 games in a row to win. And we were able to collect points in the last 17. Is that where our streak is? 15 15. games. We were able to collect points. Like we were able to keep the, keep the gap close between us and Milwaukee, but we've been able to, extend it now over Dallas, uh, over Texas, which is huge, especially with the schedule that you mentioned earlier, Tyler. Texas has got a tough schedule. I mean, this is this is huge. This is it's crazy. Like this is <laughs> I sat through a really bad season last year. <laughs> this is a complete opposite. Are you sure? I thought I thought last year was fun with hearing <laughs> yelling coming from the locker room when we're trying to do post game press conferences. I thought that was fun, man. I tell you what. Um, God, that's the, a story for another episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After the autograph setting today, the players really didn't uh, appreciate last season. <laughs> so. Yeah, there was a couple of comments made, but we'll leave that off off the record. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting, man. This is an exciting time for Griffin's hockey. It's good to see the fans embrace it. The arena's been packed all weekend. Yeah. It was packed on Wednesday too. Like the fans understand that there's something special going on. Yeah, it's not going to be a 19 or 18 game win streak like we saw in Toledo last season under Dan Watson. But 18, 19, 20 game point streak under Dan Watson is still just an incredible, incredible accomplishment. And we can't shy away at it. So like we said, Griffins have three more games coming up at home this week, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. You got Iowa, Iowa, Rockford. It's going to be a blast. We'll be there. And of course, we'll have it covered on the Twitters, on the Facebooks, wherever else we uh, decide to post it in that one. Um, with that, boys, I had one more thing that we've got to talk about tonight before we wrap this up. Just, just real quick. Hockey vibes are good right now, and they got even better today as the Red Wings traveled to Chicago. Chris Chelios' jersey retirement night, which he rolled out onto the ice in a caddy with his mom. Well done to them. Great ceremony for him from what I saw online. Haven't got to watch the full thing yet. But what a storybook ending to this game as Patrick Kane makes his first trip back to the United Center in a different uniform, gets an A on his sweater tonight. Well done, Red Wings. Excellent touch. And he scores the freaking game winner in the first two stars of the game where Patrick Kane and Alex to bring it. Like, why? Why did, why did they have an A on his jersey before? How do you spell Kane? He, ju- he just got. Oh, you. I got you both. Nick has another announcement to make because he's got to have a kid on the way after that one. Oh, anyways. Yes. I don't even know where to go with that one. Ruin that transition. My God. Well, it's Patrick Keen. Patrick Keen. There's no way. There's no A. Patrick. Yeah. Well, overall, what a storybook ending for this game, right? Oh, and and the, the ovation they gave when they showed the video, I, because, Unfortunately, I couldn't watch it live because uh, I was focusing on a the Griffins and also there was the uh, the <clears throat> the Scotties are going on right now up in Canada, but that's a different story. Um, but also, like I watched it back and I saw the clip. Mickey Redmond was getting emotional, 
like I, I know Mickey's a very passionate guy, but when I heard him like started this, you know, he was getting choked up and started crying and stuff. I'm like, holy moly. I'm like, it must have like it was like some kind of energy there. Cause the say what you want about the Chicago Blackhawks, the organization, the people that run it, the people that used to run it and all that nonsense, and the people that used to be holding high positions of authority. The fans there are I know it's funny as us being from Michigan and whatnot, we used to jump on people that were bandwagon Hawks fans that only were fans during this time, but the passion they have for that hockey team and for that, for the guys that go out there and give it their all. You have to remember when the lockout happened, the 0405 lockout, the Hawks were garbage. They were horrendous. There was, if you could tell me who the starting goaltender was for the Chicago Blackhawks, coming out of the 0506 lockout or 0405 lockout. I I will be impressed cuz not even me. I can't even think of it off the top of my head. Cuz between Jocelyn Tebow and Anthony Niemi, there's just this very vague gray space of fog of who the heck was in net for the Hawks at that during that time. But Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Joel Quinville is the coach, brought this franchise from nothing. Pretty much nothing. The same way Mario and Sydney resurrected the Pittsburgh Penguins. Kane was the poster boy, the franchise of this team. And the fact that Jonathan Taves got paid anywhere near as close to the amount of money as Kane did is kind of shocking because Kane was is far and away the better hockey player. That's what we saw during that. It could have been a 20 minute standing ovation had they let it go. Had the well, they could have gone all night. Had the refs not said, all right, guys, we got to start this game. And as much as we want to say Mike Medano, you know, the all-time points leader by an American, you know, he's the guy, he's one of the greatest Americans. Patrick Kane is, it's not even a discussion. Patrick Kane is the best American hockey player in the world in the history of the game. I know there's some players right now that are coming up that might challenge that title, but right now there's no question about it. Patrick Kane is the best player from the United States. And he is one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, why the Chicago Blackhawks won one, two, and three. Stanley Cubs. And it was just great to have the bow on the wonderful night. The fact that he scored the game winner and showed it to the fans. What a call too by Ken and Mick on that one. Oh my God. Even the Hawks one. I saw the Hawks one too. And because Darren Pang, a former Hawks on the broadcast, they're like, oh my gosh, it's Patrick Kane on a breakaway. He scores. Of course. Like even they were like, well, makes sense. Even they admitted like it was fitting. It was scripted. Is what you mean. No, that's the oh, NFL. <laughs> that's the NFL. How did Taylor Swift's team win? Make win, make it to the Super Bowl and win? I don't know. Uh, why did Lamar Jackson decide to have his worst game of the season right before the Super Bowl? I don't freaking know. Classic. <laughs> but yeah, I just had to bring up that one there because you know it was important, and it's. I mean, the Red Wings and Griffins are rolling in the past. What is it now? Forty-five games. I think there's a combined six losses between the two teams. I think the math checks out. So I believe you. Things, things things are good. Things are really good. But with that, Nick, do you have anything else to add to this Monday episode? No. I'm tired. Tyler? Chicken wings are good if they're only with buffalo sauce and blue cheese dressing. That's what I said, I, I, I think. I disagree, but that we're not going to extend this any longer than we need to. With that. We will wrap up this Monday episode. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Shout out to Everything Hockey. Head over to everythinghockey.com. Use code WEST. Get 10% off of sweet hoodies like, you know, the hockey and beer hoodie. 
had to be the go-to tonight. So head over there, use code Wes, get 10% off. Nick's got the hockey and hugs. Absolutely love it. Uh, shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for being a great partner. Shout out to DraftKings for being another great sponsor of ours. Shout out to our Patreon subscribers who are... Michael Asante and Randy Sick. Thank you, boys. And thank you to Tyler for joining us last minute tonight. This is a fun one. Two good games we had to talk about. But big games still coming up. So everybody, enjoy your week. Go Griffins, go Red Wings, go Walleye. And we will talk to you all on Thursday. Love you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Hockeytown West podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at HockeytownWPod and your host, Nick at GR Hockey Guy and Brandon at Brandon GR Hockey.